0: The following podcast is a glimpse into the life of First United Methodist Church in Beaumont, Texas. We pray it is a blessing as you seek to love your city with the heart of Christ. Holy God, as we sit in this holy space, may we uh, be aware of the fact that we are your children We have gathered because uh, we long to worship you with our whole hearts. But we also gather because we need to hear from you. We need your Spirit to continue to guide us. We need your Spirit to continue to transform our hearts. So, Father, we ask that as we open the Scriptures together this morning, you would do just that, you would continue to transform our hearts, that we might look more like Jesus. We pray this in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. So I, I got to let you know that I didn't grow up in a church that practiced uh, lit the way we do. Um, just culturally, the thing about ashes, I, I don't know what it is, but we, we simply didn't do that. So it wasn't until m- much later on in life where that became a thing for me. And, so, and that with the fact that it's, it's a thing that we do once a year, so it's not very regular, and, and so we can easy to forget, how do you do this or how do you say that? And so on Wednesday, when we're, we were getting ready to you know, getting ready to have our Ash Wednesday service. Uh, Pastor John came to me and, and it turned out that the doctor had diagnosed him with the flu Don't worry, I kept my safe distance so no, don't, don't need to be afraid uh, but, but just, just because I wanted to be sure I had everything right in my mind and in my, in my heart, I, I asked him so just remind me just, 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 just for a refresher what, it is, what do I actually say when I put ashes on people's foreheads Just just to be clear just to get it right and, he, and I don't know if it was the flu talking or, or, you know, Pastor John likes to play with me sometimes and just kind of see what, how I'm going to react. But he looked me straight in the eye, like locked in, in the eye. And with all seriousness, he, he looked at me and he said, You tell them that they're going to die. <laughs> And, I, and it took me a minute to, you know, uh, is, he, is he serious? is he I, I had never heard this. And then, he of course, he started, you know, with this big Pastor John laugh. And I'm like, oh, okay. I, I thought we were doing something different this year. I was a little afraid because I, I don't know that, you know, people would really like that. Uh, but the more I thought of it, the more he's actually right. Every, you know, this Wednesday, uh, I had the opportunity to bark about 50 or so of our wonderful, lovely, intelligent, beautiful church members one after another until tell them, from dust you came, and to dust you shall return. And, and that's just a sacred way of reminding each other that we are going to die. And what I found very, very, you know, maybe troubling about this whole thing is I'm learning these practices myself is that nowhere else in the world is this a sacred thing. I mean, nowhere else. I mean, imagine if you're in the mall and you have your Macy's bag and your Dillard's bag or whatever kind of bags that you get when you go to, when you go to the mall. And you know those folks that are always trying to sell you things in the middle of the mall, right? That you got, hey, you got curly hair. I have this thing for curly hair. And they're up in your face trying to sell you things for curly hair. And you're like, no, man, I don't have curly hair. Or or the robot that is like a monkey ninja robot that's supposed to talk on its own—all kinds of crazy things that they try to sell you when you have, you're just trying to get from one point to the other. Imagine if suddenly one of those was like, you know, somebody trying to ash you on your forehead to remind you that you're going to die, and they just show up in your face and say, "You're gonna die. Let me let me just get some ashes on your forehead." That would be insane. We would be backing away, you know, calling security or getting our pepper spray ready. I mean, nowhere else is there that a sacred rhythm. And yet, Scripture reminds us even in the Psalms of this truth that, that for most of us, me including, it's hard to accept. The Psalms say often that life is fleeting That life is like the evening shadow. That it's like the grass that withers. And I got to tell you that that's not my favorite thing to think about. And I, I probably can assure you it's not your favorite thing to think about. But yet, it is at its very core the thing that we ought to trust God the most about. I have a mentor that says time and time again that the secret to life is to die before we actually die so that we can truly live while we're still alive. Now, isn't isn't that the whole call of the gospel? To drop everything that we hold dear and not hold on to anything and be willing to trust God and follow Christ and say, Lord, wherever you lead, in good times or in hard times, I will follow you. And so we die before we die so that we can truly live while we're still alive. So what does that actually mean? I think it means that for most of us, our hearts or like that room or that closet we have, and I think we all have this, you know, that that we don't really have room or we don't know what to do with certain things, and suddenly visitors are coming, and so what we do is we stuff everything in that room or stuff everything in that closet. Some of you guys are more holier than than everybody else and and have narrowed it down to just a drawer. I don't know how you do that, but all of that just fits in one drawer Somebody, some of y'all might have another house. I don't know, but, but the whole deal is that we stuff things in there, and over time, we don't know what's in there. We can't really actually walk in that room, or we can't actually find our path in that closet, because everything, all the junk is just just stuffed in there over time and time again. And so this season of Lent is really a season in which we decide, hey, we got to go into that room and get rid of the stuff that that don't need to be there. We need to go and take some time in our heart and look at what's there and get rid of the stuff that doesn't need to be there. Because what we want is a clear path by which we can walk alongside God. Not ahead of God, not behind God, not totally in a different direction than God, but alongside God. And in order to do that, we have to look at our hearts and say, what sort of things are distracting us from doing that? So that's why in Lent we encourage each other to fast. And fasting is simply abstaining from certain things that are normal for us. Making room and just saying, I'm going to stop doing this so that I can make more room to hear from God and sense the presence of God. During Lent, we also take on some things, some faith practices for the same reason, so that we can hear from God, so that we can experience God's presence more. It's just simply going into that room and going into our hearts and saying, there are some things that I, that I need to get rid of. I need to declutter my heart so that I can sense the presence of God in my life more. It's learning to die before we die so that we can actually live while we're still alive. Now, here's the thing that I'm learning about, Lent. The thing that I'm learning is that this is the kind of death that you can't do alone. Think about that. We die our normal death by ourselves. I mean, we, it, when our time is up, it, that's it. But this kind of death, we can't do by ourselves. We're not meant to do by ourselves. And so part of why I love the story that Mark or the way Mark tells this story of Jesus is that it's so simple. Mark is the gospel that doesn't have a whole lot of details about Jesus' time in the wilderness. It's just so simple. It's just a few verses. And yet, in its simplicity, we can see that Jesus wasn't alone during this time. There were three characters. Satan, who was tempting Jesus. There were some wild beasts, apparently, because it wouldn't be the wilderness without wild beasts. And thirdly, there were some angels ministering to Jesus. And so I read that this week, and I thought, you know, that's a perfect way for us to come up with the game plan for how to declutter our hearts during Lent. How to practice dying before we actually die so that we can truly live. Now, Satan, of course, and that whole interaction was foreshadowing the cosmic battle that Jesus was going to have on the cross. That was Jesus' biggest battle. And Jesus was dealing with that even then. So my question for us this morning is, what's the greatest battle that you're fighting? What is the greatest battle that we're fighting? Because I think for us, in order to draw closer to God, we need to identify what our greatest battle is. And then we need to make a decision to deal with that battle. Now, that battle is going to look different from person to person. Some, for some folks, that battle may be sin, a sin that we need to confess, and we say, God, I'm sorry because I've done these things, and I just need your Spirit to come and perfect me and heal me from this sin. For other folks, that may be a habit. That may be something that isn't necessarily bad, And yet, it's distracting enough that it takes up our time. It takes up our attention and and doesn't help us get closer to God. And see, the thing that we, we realize every time we come to Lent, every time that we come to an Ash Wednesday, is that our life is too precious to not take care of those things. The life that God has given you is too precious to waste it. The, God, the time that God has given you with your family, with your friends, and doing the things that you love is too precious. And so, whatever is the thing that you need to deal with, this is a season to make a decision and deal with that. That might look like you finding the support that you need. That might look like getting people that are uh, experts in those areas that need to help you and the need to help us. That may look like a variety of of things, and that may take a little time, or that may take a long time. The thing is identifying that and trusting God and saying, in the name of Jesus Christ, I'm going to deal with this issue in my life. Because I want to live, I want to truly live while I'm still alive, and I am done letting this situation or letting letting this thing take over my life. I'm meant to experience this life walking closely with God. The second thing I want us to identify is the wild beast in our lives. Now, what what do I mean by that? I mean I I picture this even in the wilderness, wild beasts are the things that come and bring destruction to our lives. They come and and cause chaos, they come and, and, and wreak havoc. And I think we can each identify who those people are or who those or what those things are in our own lives. And I think Lent is a time when we say, you know what? We need to clear out the closet. We need to clear out the room. We we need to guard our heart. We need to draw some boundaries with the wild beasts in our lives. And that's anyone or anything that brings us down. That's anyone or anything that tries to make us feel less than what we are worth in Jesus. And the thing that comes to my mind is that no one builds a garden and just leaves it up out in the open for the wild beast to come and trample upon it. I mean, why would you spend all this time building a garden and watering it and putting the right soil and making sure the sun hits it just right and then not put a fence or something? So that You would never reap a harvest. Our hearts are the same way. God is building a garden in each of our hearts, a garden of peace, a garden of life. The more that we practice our faith together, the more that we search the Scriptures, the more that we pray, the more that we come to the table, the more that we worship, God is watering those hearts of ours. And so the call is to say, hey, we need to take it into our own hands to protect them. We don't need negativity in our lives, always undoing what God is trying to establish in our hearts. And so as hard as that is, for some of us, that's going to mean we need to say to some friends, maybe even some family members. Hey, I love you but this relationship isn't doing anything good for me. I care about you, and you are a special in the eyes of God, but every time we get together, I end up feeling angry, and I end up feeling frustrated, and I end up feeling all kinds of things, and I know that that's not what God wants for the both of us. It's time to set the boundaries because it's really hard to truly live. It's really hard to get close to God if there is something or someone constantly pulling us away. It's time to set boundaries. And the third thing, the angels. Who are the angels in your life? Who are the people that minister to your heart? Because we have those too. We have the people that that speak words of life to us. We have those people that encourage us. We have those people that remind us time and time again that we are special to God. And I I would argue this morning that if we are reminded of that truth constantly, we're more likely to live into that truth. If we're constantly reminded that God loves us, if we're constantly reminded that God is with us, that we're constantly reminded that God has everything under control, we're more likely to live into that truth. So friends, just like we need to set boundaries over the things that are destructing us, We need to gather like a mama hen, right? We need to gather these angels and say, I need you. Be specific. Don't be shy. I've told several of you in these uh, last few days and weeks that have told me about wanting to start a small group, about wanting to start a, a, a Sunday school or a coffee or a brunch. I said, go for it. Don't be afraid of rejection. Go out and get you your angels. Go and say to the people that you know will speak truth into your life, let's go grab a coffee. Let's go get a bite to eat. Let's meet regularly. And that might be weekly. That might be monthly. That might be all different kinds of rhythms and patterns. But don't let that slip from your grasp. I am reminded of John Wesley's words in his sermon, A Catholic Spirit. He was talking about a Christian who is invested in his congregation. And he says this about that kind of Christian. He says, these particularly, he watches over in love as they do over his soul, admonishing exhorting, comforting, reproving, and in every way building up each other in the faith. These he regards as his own household, and therefore, according to the ability God has given him, naturally cares for them and provides that they may have all the things that are needful for life and for godliness." Friends, it's up to us to look into one another's eyes and to say, you are my household. You are my angels. I need you. I cannot practice this pattern of dying before I die so that I can truly live without you. I can't conquer my hardest battle without you. I can't set these boundaries so that the wild beasts of my life don't constantly come and discourage me without you. And friends, as we gather in the name of Christ at this table in which we are reminded that we are all equal in the sight of God, that we are all loved, That we have everything we need in this life. We say this time and time again because we need to be reminded again. Let us press into this call to not walk this season of our lives alone. To stop letting shame and fear and worry isolate us even to the corners of our community. Yes, it is possible to be present here and be isolated. And I and I say to you with all the love of Christ that I have to offer, stop doing that. Let's meet at the center. Let's meet at the center of God's heart. Because I promise you, there is more healing to be had in the center when we are all together. There is more life and more joy to be shared in the center when we all come together. There is more than we actually need. There is abundance. So no matter how long or how far we've come doing things our way, In the name of Jesus this morning, I want to say, you're not meant to do this alone. I'm not meant to do this alone. Christ invites us to his table to be reminded that this whole thing is meant to be done together. It's meant to be done in the center of God's heart where there is healing, there is true joy. There is true peace. And all the kinds of things that God wants to our gardens to bear fruit of. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you would like more information, please visit our website at www.lovebeaumont.com dot com.